0: It's nice to uh, nice to be here this morning. Nice to be like somewhere that uh, I feel like I actually belong. You know, we uh, we had a good time yesterday. We went to this concert and and uh, it's fun. You know, had a good time. But it's like, wow, I feel so out of place here. <laughs> you know, nothing like being surrounded by a bunch of like people who've been drinking and and uh, are you know I don't know just not the kind of place that I'm used to being. (laughs) It was really, really weird. But, you know, we had fun. But it was kind of like, wow, we're so not like the world. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So let's pray. Jesus, we just thank You and glorify You for Your Word to us. And we praise You for what You do in us. God, how you rescue us and, and change us and make us into what only you could. And God, you have this uh vision for each one of us, Lord God as to what you would have us to become. Lord God, and and it's you. God, it's it's that that new man growing up inside of us. God, this morning that's what uh we are looking for. God, that you would bring that increase. God, in us, as only you could do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Second Corinthians 5. So I had this really interesting experience on Friday. In fact, two Fridays in a row where I had this really interesting experience talking to somebody about the Lord that I wasn't expecting at all. So, okay, so Ed is a property manager in Kansas City, and the first time I reached out to him, uh, uh, he said, uh, and I quote, I have neither the time nor the inclination to take on any more meetings. Good day. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool, then. I guess I don't want to talk to you either. And, uh, so I, just, I took him off my list. I'm like, well, okay, that guy's a dead end somebody else at his company gave us a shot and she just loved us to pieces. And so she was telling him about us. And and so he gave us a try and now he likes us too. So I put him back on our list, obviously. And everybody that's on our list gets our monthly newsletter. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of a way that, you know, to help people remember who we are, they don't forget about us and all that. And, uh, there's an article that, that I write every month for the, the front page of it. and Because uh, it's not really about painting. It's like this kind of a, you know, it's like got a warm, fuzzy human interest story on the front. And then it's got, like, recipes and a couple of other, like, little articles and a comic and a crossword puzzle in it, you know. And... Uh, um. And we send it out under the Finley Veiled guise of a free gift from your friends at Absolute Painting. But anyway, so Ed calls me on Friday morning on his mobile phone, which I don't think he's ever done. And uh, um, I almost didn't take it because I was driving. And I thought, oh, I don't have time to write down. An, I can't write an address down and, and, and all that stuff while I'm driving in traffic. And, and uh, he's like, I have a request. It's like, okay. And uh, he's like, you write that article on the newsletter every month, right? The one on the front page? I said, yeah. He's like, you wrote the one about the, the little girl that lost her tooth and and had the, that picture of her. And it talked about, you know, milestones in your life and things like that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did. He's like, okay. He's like, that really, really hit me. Just the things that you said in that really just kind of got me right where I was at. And, uh, so here's my request. Um, my wife and I are getting baptized this weekend and I'm supposed to make a few remarks. And I was wondering if I could quote from the things that you said in that article. (laughs) like, did not see this coming. It was just like Friday morning, going to work, doing my thing, you know? And, uh, I was like, well, yeah, absolutely. You can. That'd be great. And, uh, um so we talked a little bit about uh talked i talked to him about peter just like i did the other lady last week you know and because he was talking about uh, not being sure that he would follow through he's like you know he was excited about this change in his life and and everything but he's like you know what happens the first sunday morning i get up and i'm really tired and i really don't feel like going to church and like that this morning but um, I was like well, well like that will happen that'll happen but you know the thing is is the church has you know I think unintentionally kind of turned serving God and being a Christian into like having your dad living at the old folks home it's like you go see pop on Sunday you feel better about your life and you and you go on doing what you do and Actually, He wants to live at your house. You know, he wants to live with you. He wants to come down to breakfast and, and hang out and, and be where people are because the dwelling place of God is with men. And he was, and he was like, wow, yeah, that's that's really cool. And uh, I was like, and so there will be those Sunday mornings that that you're tired and it's like, oh, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to get up and do anything today but just sleep. And then hang out in my pajamas till four in the afternoon, but that sense of relationship that you build with Him, um, it it will change that. And you'll think, yeah, I'm really awfully tired this morning, but uh, you know, but, but I love Him, and and so you know, I I would get up and and, and go to church, and uh, and and so. Yeah, and he said, "Wow, that's really I like that." That's you know. So um, it was a really interesting experience. I wasn't expecting that at all, and uh, especially from somebody who had like blown me off in the past the way he did, <laughs> which I thought was quite amusing. So, but it, you know, you just never know with people, you know. And obviously, I never talked to him about the Lord at all. But. Uh, um there's something about um people seeing something in your life you know and because all i really do in those articles is i just talk about life and talk about things that i've learned in life and kind of stop just just short of of preaching a message at them and uh and, and actually i mentioned that during the conversation and he's like yeah and he's like, I guess if you're not looking for it, it's it wouldn't be there. But he's like, nah, it, it, I can see it, it's there. So, um, but you know, we are those epistles known in red of all men. So, and you never know what people see when they look at you. You know, hopefully something good. But, you know, you never know, because um, you know you. And so you look in the mirror and you don't see Christ. <laughs> but... <laughs> Well, maybe you do, but um, but you never know what other people see, and uh, you never know how the, the things that you do impacts them. Uh, so uh, here in Second Corinthians five, though, I was just I was thinking about what the what he said, you know, because we get, you know, water baptism is like, you know, it's great, but it doesn't change anything in your life at all because it's just a picture. It's just this symbolic thing of, of being dead with Christ and brought forth in resurrection life with him. And so if you don't have that change inside, you know, and we talked to one of our, our painters about that because he went and got baptized and he was all excited and then he didn't feel any different. And then the church kept hounding him to pay his tithes and, and that he better be there every Sunday. And so he's like, well, forget this. And who could blame him? Um, but, you know, I can look at his life and see that nothing has changed. And see that nothing is really all that different. And uh, and so, you know, you have to have something something real besides, you know, besides those, those outward things. But he says here in 5, he says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we should not be found naked. And for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but to be clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up with life. So we all know that uh, the things that we see around us are, are those temporal things, those temporary here today, gone tomorrow kind of things. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny because one of the things that uh, that I've learned, I don't necessarily use it, but that I've learned about managing your time is that you have, there's two kinds of tasks. There are important uh, but not urgent tasks, and there are urgent but unimportant tasks. And so you know, sometimes the urgent things, they're, they're important, but the world's not going to come to an end if you don't get to it in the next, you know, five minutes. But they have this sense of urgency that comes with them that feels like I need to do something about this right this second. And a lot of times, I mean, you can have your days filled up with those urgent things and never get to the important things. Um, and, uh, and actually, that was the thing that, that, this, that this Ed guy said really, really struck him about this article because he's thinking about his own life and, and making this this change and wanting to follow God. And you could get busy with everyday life, and and well, that the important things, the eternal things, kind of fall by the wayside. And um, so you know the these things. That we that he's he's talking about here, it's like he's looking towards the eternal things, looking towards those things that are going to last forever. And and he and he says in verse two that he that he groans earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with his house which is in heaven. And um, there are times I think more t- sometimes more than others where we really feel that sense of someday this will all be over, and we'll just be in heaven. <laughs> Don't have to worry about this ever again, you know, and uh, um, and so there, you know. Certainly, with those uh, rough times in life, I think we grow and more for that, that that house which is from heaven. Uh, you know, but you know there are, you know there are lots of people in the world that just long for oblivion. You know, they just their life is miserable, and they just they look forward to. You know, life being over because they don't believe there's anything left after it and, and, and non-existence sounds way better than existence to them. You know, but you know, for the Christian he says that, that uh, in verse 4 for that we, we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened not that we be unclothed but to be clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. So we have this hope beyond this life and so this life, which is full of those urgent but unimportant moments uh, you know is is it really it goes by in the blink of an eye and and then we have this this whole eternity ahead of us of life so <coughs> be surprised how uh but you can damage your voice by going, woo, over and over again. <laughs> so, um, now he that wrought us for the self same thing is God, who has given unto us the earnest of his spirit. And I like that, uh, the earnest of his spirit. If you've ever bought a house, uh, when you find the one that you want to buy, then you put down earnest money on it. You know, because you're you're proving to the seller that you are in earnest about buying the house, and so God gives us His the earnest of His Spirit. It's like this earnest payment that that uh, it's like you know here's here's the contract, you know that that uh, you know that I I'm uh, I'm going to redeem you, uh, and and here's my here's my down payment to to show that I'm serious about this <laughs> and, uh, and and I love that he says that he, he wrought us for the self same thing he never intended for man to, to live in this place of just you know misery on, on, on this planet and then you know, oblivion or, or torment after you know he he, he wanted man to, to live like Adam lived in the garden which sounds like a really great idea Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We walk by faith and not by sight. And we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. So he's just saying, you know, I would, uh, you know. Because he told the I think it was the Philippians that, that he's like I'd I'd rather depart and be with Christ, but to be here is more needful for you. Yeah. And so you know, we we all have that sense of you know, that, that hope that we're looking towards. And you know, there are lots of people that they they get this this excitement and this fervor about serving God and they're and they lot they, they get they love this romantic idea um, of, you know, of dying for Jesus, you know, and because if you don't really think about it very seriously or in much real detail, it does sound like this kind of romantic, you know, you know, like idea of oh, this is so great, I'm going to go off and die for Jesus. Um, but um, you know, the Bible tells us that we're already dead, and that we've already died with Him. You know, and so, but so what? Uh, what he's looking for is for a people that would live for him, so that the world could see him in us. That's what uh, the, the Bible explicitly tells us that, that that's a part, a big part of his purpose is that that in the ages to come, the world might see him and his kindness toward us. So, um, if if the world can't see Christ. In the church, then where is where are they going to see him? And uh, so, you know, it'd be great to just get swooped up and go home. And I know lots of of what calls itself Christian is that's kind of their great white hope. Is that any second now we're out of here? You know, uh, I had, I read this this great quote by Spurgeon the other day, and I didn't memorize it. So I'm not going to quote it exactly, but he basically says that, you know, if, if sinners be damned, then they they should have to leap over our dead bodies to get there, you know, and uh, and it's like, wow, you know, do we, you know, I read it and I thought, man, I I need a heart change. I'm, I'm too busy with my own stuff and. You know, n- and you know, none of us are going to want to get to the pearly gates and, and regret having watched yet another episode of Gilligan's Island to see if they got off the island. You know, so. <laughs> I, don't, I, I watched that show on and off growing up. You know, it's like I don't think they ever got off the island, did they? I mean, I don't know, but. Um, Uh, so, so God has a, a purpose for the church that's that's much greater than, um, than than uh, what we think of a lot of times. The the vision that we have is not really the same vision that He has. And um, the great thing is is God can fix that. Just, you know, we can because as you draw near to Him, then you start kind of getting catching that vision, and and, you, and that's what we. What we all need, you know. I, I should be preaching at a mirror here, and getting into that place of, okay, God, I have a, I have a limited time here, and I have this, really both important and urgent task in front of me. Help me to recognize the urgency of it, because uh, the, the, the world's seeing God in us, and and. And us being his you know his hands and his feet is really it it's both important and urgent, but it's easy to not see it as urgent it's like i i know like from my own experience I think of it as this important thing super important thing that that yeah it needs some time devoted to it, but it's kind of always in the the fuzzy some time off in the future you know and you know the the funny thing about the the future is is it's going to be now before you know it, and and now was the future yesterday, you know, and so there's no time like the present. So. So he says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he has done whether it be good or bad. So that's a that's a good motivator to. Uh, uh, you know, want to draw near to Him and, and make sure that uh, the things in your life are are uh, what He would have them to be. Verse eleven, He says, "Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also manifest to your consciences." And uh, I, I looked up this word "terror" because I thought, "Hmm, that, that sounds very old Englishy. It probably means something different than than what." The way we use the word terror now, and I don't think it really does. This is the word where we get phobia, you know. This and which uh, the definition of a phobia is an unreasoning fear of something, you know. And so, you know, I, I know that God is not out to have an unreason us to have an unreasoning fear of Him, but there, but you know, to have that level of of the fear of the Lord, you know, at, not at a sense of He's going to wipe me off the face of the earth in a greasy spot, but that He has an expectation for my life, and I need to, I need to get there. I need to be that thing that He wants me to be. And um, but anybody that's really honest, anybody that's like Peter, realizes that well, actually. I, I can't just be what he wants me to be. I can't just become this uh whatever it is that he has for my life. I need him to do it. And uh I don't even know what it is that he wants me to do for sure. Uh and that's that's where it comes back to to spending that time with him uh and and catching that vision. But he says that uh uh he said that we Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, that are made manifest to God. And uh, this, uh, this word uh, uh, translated as are made manifest, all one word in the Greek. It means to render apparent, to be visible. I really like this, uh, that, uh, this other word that it uses here, that to be conspicuous. You know, because if you're conspicuous, then you stick out like a sore thumb. That was kind of how I felt last night at that concert. It's like I feel so out of place here. I feel like I'm sticking out like a sore thumb, and uh, uh that's not necessarily a bad thing, but uh um, but to be made conspicuous to God, you know that that's what we want. We want to be conspicuous in a good way that. It's like, oh, hey, there, there he is again. You know, here he is. You know, knocking, knocking at the door. He's got something that he that he wants to talk about, and um, and that sense of, of drawing near to him and, and asking him. You know, I just I want to be, what you want me to be. I want you to show me what it is you want me to do. And he says that we commend not ourselves again to you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that we may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. So you know we can of course um, we can really revel in the acclaim of people and um, you know really look for recognition and uh, and there, there's something in the human nature that that really likes that pat on the back that really likes to to have people notice what you did and you know the funny thing is is when God does stuff in your life and. And people go to to pat you on the back and congratulate you. It's kind of funny because it's like, well, I I was just there. You know, I was like, I mean, God God was the one that did all the cool stuff. I was just kind of standing there, you know. And uh, you know, and and that's that's that sense of uh, glory in appearance rather than in heart, you know, is is like, yep, yep, I I did that. Make sure you get my name right. There's you know. Like then spell it out for them so they can they can uh you know put you in the paper and on social media and everything else and uh, and actually, I like the marginal reading it says those which glory in the face and not in heart because uh, I like that, so he says, whether we be beside ourselves, it's to God, and whether we be sober, it's for your cause. I like this. Uh, phrase beside ourselves I mean it's it's really well translated here because um, because that's exactly how we still use that phrase today and you know it means to be astounded to be out of your wits out of your right mind and uh, you wouldn't think that that would happen to you when you serve God you wouldn't think you would feel so pressed beyond measure that you would feel like you were at your wits end or, or, you know, just totally astounded at the things that are going on around you. And, of course, this, this word sober, that's a great word for it. This means to be in your right mind. So, you know, out of, our, out of your mind, in your mind, you know, what, either way he says that, that it's, it, you know, it's, it's for God, it's for your cause. And he says, for the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And I like that he uses the word constraints. We don't use that word much anymore. You know, basically it means that you have an obligation to do this. You know that you know it's like so because of the love of God, we are obligated to tell you this this thing that he's getting ready to say. That 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 we thus judge if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that, that's what I wanted that guy to understand. You know, and I I hope to talk to him again and just kind of ask him how getting baptized went and and everything. And I'd, I'd like to just kind of, because I I kind of got the impression that he probably goes to a liturgical church where they just you know it's all repeat after me's and smoke and incense and and tall ceilings. But um, the thing is is um when you come to that place this is this is exactly what that baptism is about that if one died for all then we're all dead so you have to come into that place of reckoning yourself as being dead then and so if if he's paid that price then uh, then we we can accept that for ourselves and he says in that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live to themselves but unto him which died for them and rose again. I don't know about you, but every time God starts talking about how uh, He owns us it makes me really uncomfortable because I'm awfully aware of how I live like I belong to myself. And uh you know, and the funny thing is, is I mean we all know that scripture and we're all really familiar with that, but that's really the about the only place I can think of off the top of my head where God just explicitly says, you know what, you belong to me. I own you like property. <laughs> you know, because um because he loves us and and he doesn't belabor this point of the awful price that he paid to to have us and and he doesn't focus so much i think on this sense of of us belonging to him in that way because because he loves us and and there's there's such a love there that um and you know maybe it's just our our western thinking because you know for us slavery is such an aberrant thing and it's like oh i can't you know who you know, who could own another person and all that. Um I love how Ron talks about well, God's clearly not afraid of it, he made his children slaves in Egypt. So there must be some merit to it and um I you know, I think especially growing up in the United States it's uh challenging for us to uh to come into that place of you know, being told unequivocally what to do and you have no recourse whatsoever because our society's not really like that. And uh, so he says um, that that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live to themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth we know no man after the flesh; yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet henceforth know we him no more. And that's the funny thing about people. It's the funny thing about being in the church and surrounded by. People, you know, because when, when, you know, it's just you and, and God in the garden, uh, you don't have to worry about people and them getting on your nerves or, or whatever. Um, you know, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I've become easygoing in my dotage, but for the most part, people don't really get on my nerves that bad. At least not around, not in the church. Actually, I'm getting more crotchety at work and people that call in wanting stuff, they, they get on my nerves more and more. And, uh, uh, but but no, I mean I don't know. When I when I come in here and I'm thinking, man, it's such a blessing, you know, to be surrounded by the people of God and and uh, and all that. But you know, there's an awful lot of knowing people after the flesh in the church, where we focus on that. Yeah, well, you know, brother so and so does such and such, and you know, blah blah blah, and you know, and we just blithely forget or ignore that but God lives in them and and if, and if you're gonna find fault with them then you're finding fault with God you're finding fault with his um, project with the, the and the, the progress that he's he's making um, and and uh, the interesting thing about knowing somebody after the flesh like this is you may or may not know very much about their life yeah. and uh, like the you know the way their life is now you may not know very much about where they came from you know because you could you know you could start out with every conceivable disadvantage and God get a hold of your life and, and start really working on you and making into what he wants you to be and and it could be a long time that you've been serving God and, and somebody you know Brother so and so that's grown up in the church might kinda of look down his nose at you like uh it's like, wow, well, I can't believe you're still at this place. But if you started way down here, brother so and so started up here, you know, then it's it's kind of a different idea. You know, and so you know, and of course Jesus said to uh to, to not judge after appearance, but to judge righteous judgment. And and of course we all know that the you know the the judgment that you measure out to somebody is the same kind of judgment you're going to get back in that same measure. Um, and uh, that always gives me pause when somebody does get on my nerves on those those occasions. Cause it's like, oh, well, I don't know. It, you know the next time you, you, you kind of want to say something unpleasant about somebody, just put your own name in there. Or, I, I hate how brother so-and-so does this. And then just look in the mirror. It's like, I hate how Greg does. That's okay. <laughs> Seriously try it. I, I mean, honestly, there have been times that like I have just raged inside about something that somebody does that drives me crazy. And, and maybe even griped about it to other people. And then all of a sudden, it's like it hits me. It's like, it's like David and Nathan talking. It's like, you are the man. Mm. there's nothing like God nailing your hide to the wall (laughs) yep Uh, but you know it's precious though because you have those experiences and then it gives you a really great deal or should give you a great deal of compassion for people when you see them struggling with something or they do something you know, that that you think is, is foolish or whatever, it's like, well, okay. I would want them to have the same mercy that I have, have gotten and, and I'm gonna I'm to sow that. Uh so he says wherefore henceforth we know no man after the flesh, though we've known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ he's a new creature. When the old things are passed away, behold all things are become new. And we all know that scripture. Everybody in here could probably quote that off the top of your head. Um, you know, and that's the thing that that so much of Christianity hinges on. So much of serving God uh, hinges on this sense of the new man and being a new creature in Christ, because um, because as we we have to learn to reckon ourselves dead. It's like, you, you get born again, you wake up the next morning, you're still going to, your stomach is still going to want breakfast. And then and, uh, you or the people around you will realize that you need to shower still. And so, <laughs> I see people looking at each other. <laughs> like, oh, judging after the flesh. <laughs> Knowing each other after the flesh. Like Yes, I know you after the flesh, brother. <laughs> There's there's someone in my house that when you walk into their room that the smell of feet just pervades the, the entire room. So that, that's kind of what I'm thinking of. But, uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> uh, let's see. But no, uh, we we really you know we become a new creature in Christ. And and you know I like the word creature. Kind of the fun word, but you know, I mean, it's in the sense of being a new creation, mm-hmm. something new that that God makes in us, and so we have this seed. Then, of course, that grows up inside of us, you know. And we were talking the other day about that seed being able to be made dirty, or uh, you know, and and I was talking with my kids. I was like, you know, not only can that that seed become, you know, it can't sin. But you can corrupt it because you can corrupt your thinking and make it dirty. But and I kind of walked them through that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, you can you can see something, you know, you know, the Bible says set no unclean thing before your eyes. You could see something unclean. And and yep, you saw it, and you know, and, and now it's gone. Or or it's over there and and you saw it. You can see it the difference becomes what you do with that seeing. It's like you don't need forgiveness because you saw the unclean thing walk by. You know, the thing is, is that you you don't dwell on it. You don't hang out with that and, and take that in and, and you know, turn it over in your mind and, and, and all that because that will begin to corrupt your thinking. And you know, and, uh, you know yesterday Levi asked me, he's like, well, how how, how can you kill it? you know how could you kill the inside fan? I was like, well, if you don't ever feed it at all, it will die. You know, because you can you know, you can't uh you, you know, you can't have a baby that you don't feed. Um, and it it won't live. And uh so so we have this new creature inside and it says the old things are passed away. And so the Interesting thing about this walk with God is, you know, God casts our our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the East is from the West, he removes our transgressions from us. The problem is that we still remember them. You know, it's like we still remember our our own transgressions, and we still remember somebody else's transgressions sometimes. And, um, you know, that. We have to believe that the old things are passed away, and there's great things that you can learn from those uh, you know i we we watched uh, i can only imagine with the kids this week, and that was a really really precious movie i i when when we're going to watch a movie confessional here when we, when we go to watch a movie i don't usually want to watch a, a like a positive uplifting movie I want something with like some you know some swords or some guns or something you know i want like something that's just pure entertainment value you know but i mean the first time i heard that song i was like, wow that's such a precious song you know and then watching this story and seeing what this kid's life was like and you know i i thought wow the thing that really impacted me so much about that movie is i could see myself in his dad i could see what god had done in my life because it's like i was well on my way to ending up just like that and god got involved and god fixed it because that's what god does and that's that thing about the new creature and the old things being passed away because you'll have these things that these hangers on that just kind of hang out because we feel like when we get born again that everything is all that's it it's like all wrapped up we're good to go now you know and that that um naive enthusiasm that comes with uh (laughs) <laughs> with that moment uh and and then we it's like the children of israel uh just kind of thinking just making this uh erroneous assumption that they were just going to show up at the promised land that everything was going to be all set up for them but there was not going to be anybody there and so we have these things in life that, that god has to deal with but you know we we know that that the old things have passed away and so when we encounter those things in our life we know it's simply a matter of time before god gives us the victory over this thing it's like we we, we look to him we work with him on these things and we, and we we obey the word of god and the things that he would have us to do and we we just focus on feeding the new man and and those things that that we thought were already gone because it feels like everything is just poof vanished but but as I said, you know, you wake up the next morning and, you know, you still have, still want to go have breakfast and you still need a shower. So there are still these things in your life that God is still going to work on. And he doesn't tell you everything he's going to work on right off the bat because you would get discouraged and quit. You know, I ever since I joined the gym, I started like, you know, I like numbers because if you don't measure things, then you, you can't, you know, it's all like fuzzy feeling stuff then. So you know, I like you know, I like to measure stuff, and uh, I was thinking, wow, if I'd known that uh, my waist size was still going to be just about the same after like eight or nine months at the gym, I probably would have quit eight or nine months ago. You know, but uh, um, but you know, that's that's the thing about serving God. It's like He doesn't tell you, well, you know, there's this, and there's this, and there's this, and there's this. And there's this, and there's this, and there's this, you know, because you know, we we would get discouraged and give up. It's like, well, then what on earth did you possibly see in me that you would that you would love me? But so he really does make us a new creature, and the old things pass away. And so the that sense of success in God then comes from that new man and what God does in the new man, and it's not about. This glorying in the face, you know, this glorying in appearance—it has nothing to do with that. Because the further down the road you get, and the more stuff God fixes in your life, you realize only God could have fixed it. Only God could have changed this thing in my life, and um, you know, the, the uh, you know, the glory would have to all go to Him. So Jesus, we just thank you for your word to us. We just we praise you for all that you are, God, and, and how you have. Put the new man inside of us, God, and how uh, you have put yesterday behind us. God and I just I pray God for every heart in this place, God that, that we would put yesterday behind us as well. God, and that we would look to you and that we would uh, turn our eyes on you. and with Jesus, I pray that you would uh, just get these things done in this God you have put power in Your church. God, You've given us the the power to become the sons of God. And I pray, Jesus, that You would cause us to draw near to You. God, and to come into that place as only You could do. God, in Your righteous name. God, do these things in us. God, today in this place, You know every heart. You know every need. God, and I I pray that no one would leave this place today without having their need met by the great meter of needs. And God, I just I pray that you would get these things done in your people. Make us into what only you could, God, through the power that, that you possess. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.